This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. As our countries have continued to develop and grow, so has the number of republics as well as monarchies. The United Kingdom, of course, is one of the most historic, but what kind of impact do these structures have on government, the economy, and more? A new paper from Wharton's Mauro Guillen takes a deeper look at this. Mauro is a professor of international management here at the Wharton School, and he's also director of the Lauder Institute, and he joins us here in the studio. Mauro, great to see you again. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Uh, the importance for you uh, of doing this paper and looking at these issues, and you do it from both a historic perspective, but also kind of leading into today, what was really behind the, the, the want to do a paper like this? Well, there is this uh, big debate and this uh, big uh, controversy out there as to uh, what is the best uh, you know, way to organize our government, uh, in, uh, specifically in terms of uh, uh, the economy, meaning uh, what type of government uh, is uh, better for the economy. Uh, so there's been a lot of discussion about uh, whether it's better to have a democracy or it's better to have a dictatorship. Uh, and uh, also another dimension to this debate has been uh, whether monarchies uh, have a reason to exist today right. uh, after so many years of uh, essentially uh, uh, you know, industrialization and, uh, and uh, modernization of all of these uh, kinds of uh, government structures. And I was uh, approaching this research with a very open mind. I wasn't expecting uh, monarchies actually to uh, perform uh, uh, relatively well uh, in terms of delivering higher standards of living for the population. But that's um, in, a, in a nutshell what I found. Well, how specifically are they are they better in today's age than, than you would have expected? Uh, yeah, so my argument is that, uh, uh, you know, the form of government has an immediate direct uh, effect on the protection of property rights. Uh, and uh, that is really important for the economy because, mm -hmm. as you know, you want companies to uh, not uh, f be abused by the government. Sure. Uh, you want uh, individuals also. Uh, you know, their property not to be confiscated. You want intellectual property rights, something that is uh, these days being discussed uh, very widely in terms of the relationship between the U.S. And, uh, and China, also to be protected. Uh, so my question was, okay, so if property rights are so important for the economy, if we know that uh, when people feel that their property is safe, then they're more willing to invest, and therefore they're right. more willing to, or they, they create more jobs, and everything then, uh, you know, moves forward uh, on the economic front. Uh, who does a better job of protecting property rights? Is it uh, dictatorships? Is it democracies? Um, is it monarchies, right? So that was the basic question that I was asking myself. But seemingly, in looking at some of the data that you have, the, it, from a historic perspective, there was a shift, I guess, in the 1930s, maybe started the 1940s, where you saw a lot more republics and monarchies start to come uh, into, into account. Well, of course, because uh, we had uh, way more independent countries in the world. Yeah. I remember that, uh, especially in the 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, many uh, more countries in the world became uh, independent. But, uh, you know, one of the uh, uh, most interesting things is that, uh, you know, the number of uh, monarchies in the world, uh, you know, um, has been rising over the last few years. I mean, of course, we have uh, many more republics in the world. We have 190 countries altogether in the world, uh, uh, independent only about uh, 22 or 23 uh, today have uh, the monarchy as the, uh, as the form of government. Um, uh, so, uh, uh, you know, there is uh, uh, something about monarchies that uh, keeps them in place. And uh, some of that is, um, you know, the economic performance that they deliver. And I guess part of that, uh, you, you look at the example of England, of the United Kingdom, and what that has done historically, especially over the last, I would say, like 50, 60 years, correct? No, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so we have, uh, uh, you know, it's a mixed bag, uh, the same way that uh, democracies are a mixed bag, uh, the same way that dictatorships, when they're republics, uh, it's a mixed bag. Mm -hmm. We have some monarchies in the world that perform economically extremely well, like the U.K., Sweden, Norway, uh, the Netherlands, uh, Denmark, Japan, 
right? And uh, we have others that uh, don't perform as well. But uh, when you compare them to republics, right, uh, in, on the republics uh, front, uh, you have countries that do really well, like the U.S. or Germany right. uh, or uh, Italy, uh, you know, economically. But then you have many others that don't do that well. You mentioned the property rights, but but in terms of, I guess, the structure of the government and how that government reacts with, and you alluded to it a second ago, reacts with companies, reacts with its people, that probably is a key component in how... Uh, the economy ends up building up or not, uh, how the country ends up building out its GDP or, or not, correct? No, absolutely. So there are essentially three uh, things to keep in mind, right? So property rights uh, come under attack, right? They, they get undermined uh, under three specific situations. One is uh, when there is social or political conflict in the country. Sure. We know that that always leads to a uh, you know, a undermining of property rights. And then again, that has negative economic consequences. Sure. The second one is when politicians perpetuate themselves in power, because then, you know, as they as they uh, get used to being the other uh, ones uh, who run the government, then they become abusive and uh, they tend to privilege their friends uh, and so on and so forth. And that's why we have term limits. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then the third thing is just in general, checks and balances on the government. Right. So uh, whenever there are checks and balances, you know, the uh, the uh, the Congress can exercise uh, a veto power over what the executive wants to do, or the judiciary, right, when you right. have a, a, a court system that works, uh, then essentially that's something that also tends to protect property rights. Uh, so in other words, uh, the executive branch of government cannot act arbitrarily against some, somebody they don't like, like right. a company expropriating the assets of that company, or against an individual, right? Uh, so, so in other words, um, uh, the argument here is that, uh, or the question that I was asking myself was, okay, so in uh, uh, conflict, you need to reduce that. Um, uh, you need to reduce the uh, uh, the number of years that politicians stay in power because we know that they become abusive sooner yeah. or later. Yeah. And then you want to have checks and balances. And uh, then the issue is, okay, do republics do a better job at that? Or is it monarchies that do a better job? And what I find in my paper, using data since 1900, since the year 1900, so over the last 110 years, for nearly 150 countries in the world, on average, what I find is that monarchies do a better job at protecting property rights. And that's very counterintuitive. I understand that many listeners might be wondering, oh, my God, I mean, that sounds like really uh, weird. Because yeah. the image that people have of kings and queens, uh, you know, in the distant past... Is just taking. Well, yes, they're arbitrary, uh, in many cases, absolutist rulers. But, you know, no. monarchies have changed. Changed. Uh, not all of them, but many of them have. Yeah. And they're now what we call constitutional democratic uh, monarchies, uh, like the ones in Europe or in Japan. Uh, and, uh, you know, they tend to be very protective of property rights and uh, and that uh, they tend to uh, uh, have a, a better chance of reducing internal conflict. Uh, they tend to put a limit on politicians that want to, uh, uh, you know, prime ministers yeah. that want to uh, uh, abuse uh, their power and that they um, um, offer an additional Check and balance, right? How how balanced is the the ratio between monarchies that do have the democratic structure behind it and ones that do not have a democratic structure behind it? Because obviously, as you lay out, if you don't have the democratic structure to a degree, you're going to have people staying in power year after year after year and abusing the ability to, to collect benefit, to, to impact property rights, etc. Absolutely. So uh, in the world today, uh, for every... Uh, uh, four monarchies that are democratic and constitutional, we have one that is non-democratic, right? Right, And uh, unfortunately, many of them are in the Middle East, as, uh, as, as you know. Sure, yeah. 
But uh, but and uh, realistically, I don't think there's a shift that you would see that ratio go even more to the Democratic side, correct? Well, we shall see. Uh, but obviously, the historical trend uh, is towards uh, monarchies, uh, essentially, or, or kings and queens accepting a constitutional order right. and accepting democracy. So all of those uh, monarchies in Europe and also in Japan, right, over the last uh, hundred sure. years or so, have sooner or later. Uh, essentially accepted the democratic rules of the game. And that, of course, is an additional strength, right? Uh, meaning so you, you can get all of the benefits from being a democratic country with a constitutional order, and at the same time you get some of the benefits from having a monarchy in place. So when, when you let's just compare for a second. If you compare, let's say, the U.K. with one of the monarchies that, that is in the Middle East, what are the what – is, what is it about the U.K. or England that, that really they do that, that allows them – to be able to continue to have the growth. And I wonder if part is the, is the partnerships that they have within the EU and the other countries well, in of Europe. Well, of course, but, uh, but specifically about uh, the uh, issue that I've been discussing, which is protection of property rights yeah. and how that translates into more economic growth and higher standards of living. Uh, it, it's, it's very clear. So the monarchies uh, that are not democratic, right, the ones, for example, in North Africa, like Morocco or in the Middle East, uh, so they have uh, one advantage, right? Uh, over a country like the UK, which is that when it comes to uh, uh, overcoming social or political conflict, they can engage in repression. Uh, Now, that is an advantage in the sense that uh, maybe they can get away with it, although I think in the long run uh, this comes back to haunt them. Uh, But then uh, monarchies that are constitutional and that are democratic, like the UK, like Sweden, like Denmark, the key advantages that they have is that they have much more legitimacy in terms of essentially telling politicians, do not perpetuate yourself in power. You know, we need that rotation here. And also uh, in terms of the checks and balances, right? We were talking before we came in, and obviously where the U.K. is considered, you have Queen Elizabeth, uh, who is you know well past 90 years of age at this point. And we were saying, what the impact is that going to be when she unfortunately passes away? And uh, what, what's going to occur there? Well, that's the other aspect of, uh, of the monarchy as a form of government, which is that, that you have uh, individual kings or queens, right. but you also have dynasties. And uh, this is an interesting aspect, I think, of the whole thing, which is that um, the king and the queen not only wants to, uh, you know, well, rule for a long time, right, or reign for a long time, uh, but they also want to uh, preserve the dynasty. Uh, So that's yet another reason why they are more focused on the long run. And if you're focused on the long run, then you're bound to be more protective of property rights, right? And therefore, you're more likely to, for example, put limits on politicians that want to uh, to abuse, right? Yeah. And as you know, Queen Elizabeth uh, has been, uh, you know, within the, her constitutional role, yeah. has been very good, actually, at, uh, you know, telling some of her prime ministers, yep. look, I think you're doing something here that is not, uh, not appropriate, right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, even in a constitutional monarchy, uh, this um, figurehead, which is the queen or the king, uh, can play a role, right? So it's it's just that that particular person and their decision on how they approach it, whether they feel like they have to have their thumb pressing down on the government 24-7, 365, or whether they, in, I think in the case of Queen Elizabeth, she steps back and only interse- interjects herself when she feels that it's necessary. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I would also like to bring in a psychological mechanism here, which is that uh, if uh, you're the uh, prime minister and you know there is a higher authority, uh, although it may be a purely formal one, yeah. uh, pure figurehead, like a king or a queen, then you're a little bit more subdued, okay? It's true, uh, yeah. yeah. So whereas uh, yeah. if there's nobody else higher uh, above you, uh, then, uh, you know, uh, psychologically you're more prone uh, to then abuse your position. Right? So I think there's also this very important psychological mechanism as to who holds the absolutely highest authority in the state. Right? Yeah. Uh, and when you have a king or a queen up there, 
uh, that sometimes have very beneficial effects. But realistically, from a historic perspective, how long do we go back where we've had that type of mindset, where you've had that democratic element as part of a monarchy running a country? Uh, about 120 years. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's something that uh, in the UK uh, is, of course, a little bit older than that. Yeah. Uh, right. As you know, there yeah. was a, uh, a a revolution there that yeah. essentially placed the limits. <laughs> Just on a little the, bit uh, of one here in the US. Revolution, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but no. But in most uh, in most of the other monarchies around the world, we're talking about uh, you know the last uh, 120, 130 years essentially. Right. We're joined by Mauro Guillen here in studio. Uh, you're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. I guess then looking forward, I mean, your research is going back 120 years, but looking forward, how important is this mindset of monarchy having the democratic element to continue to have the success? Like if you have England, the UK, like Belgium, some of the other monarchies that are out there, as you mentioned Japan. Uh, you know, around the world to keep the economic piece going and moving forward. Right. Well, uh, you know, and again, there's variation. So some of these mo- constitutional democratic monarchies work better than others, and yeah. they have delivered better standards of living for the population. Uh, so I think, uh, uh, you know, again, the the what the evidence in my research uh, shows is that uh, there's no reason for those countries uh, to uh, abolish uh, the monarchy. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, I want to clarify something uh, that I think is really important. I'm not advocating in any way, shape, or form that every country in the world should of the monarchy based <laughs> right, on right. these results. Right. Uh, so I think that the monarchy only works uh, wherever there is a tradition and there is a foundation uh, for it. Uh, so my argument is mostly about, uh, look, don't assume that monarchies are backward and that monarchies don't uh, deliver good results economically. That's right. not true. Right. Uh, but once again, I'm not a monarchist. I am not uh, an apologist of the monarchy in the sense of uh, saying, oh, I want the monarchy to... Uh, uh, you know, to become the form of government everywhere in the world, including the United States. Not at all. Right. It would fail here, right? right. I mean, this is very clear. Uh, so um, I think uh, the argument is more that uh, uh, there's no point in those countries in which uh, the monarchy works well uh, to uh, organize a movement to, to get it abolished uh, because uh, it does uh, produce higher standards of living, as I, as I demonstrated in the paper. Are there elements uh, of the republic that also you have situations where the republic can be a very good one that you know that is managed well and run well Absolutely. in comparison to republics that Absolutely. are not Absolutely so once again if we examine the uh, impact of forms of government on the protection of property rights which in turn produces better economic results in the yeah. end yeah. and higher standards of living uh, there are two types of republics uh, that tend on average uh, to produce better results okay so one is parliamentary republics Okay, so those are ones uh, in which uh, the head of state is a different uh, office than the prime minister. Right. Okay, uh, so Germany would be an example of that. Right. Uh, so that's in comparison to presidential republics. Now, people might be thinking, well, but the U.S. is one of the richest countries in the world. It's true, but think about how many presidential republics, especially in Latin America, uh, perform really poorly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the U.S. is actually the exception rather than the rule among the uh, uh, presidential republics, right? So parliamentary republics tend to do better at protecting property rights, and then they 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 have better economic outcomes. And then the other one is democracies in general. So, so republics that are democratic as opposed to dictatorial, right? Yeah. So they tend to also, right, with some exceptions, okay, right. but they tend to, on average, uh, protect property rights to a greater extent, and then once again results in higher standards of living for the population. Is the, is the issue of protecting the property rights, I would imagine, it's both 
uh, dealing with the citizenry, but also with the, as you said, with the corporations, with absolutely. the companies. Absolutely. You know, so it's it can goes all the way up and down the spectrum. Absolutely. So property rights, uh, you know, it's a, it's a legal framework. Yep. Uh, and it's a way of thinking about uh, the economy in which you're respecting the property of individuals and uh, the assets of corporations. Yeah. And why does that matter economically? Well, it matters because then people and companies have the incentive to invest. And if they invest, then they would create jobs. Yeah. So if you believe in the market economy, property rights are a very important component of the market economy because, yeah. once again, uh, a good protection of property rights um, uh, provides incentives for innovation, for investment, for job creation. Yeah. But even though that you know we see the United Kingdom and, and the strength that it has had, even with what has been going on with them with the Brexit and, and you know with the the relationship with the EU, you are seeing companies that have decided to step away from from England from the UK and, and decide to either go to Paris or other locations. Yeah. You still have that structure of the monarchy, but the economics are are, are very going to be very much different than what they've been used to maybe over the last thirty or forty well, years. Well, but think about it this way, right? So Brexit, of course, is a and I've been on this program uh, yeah. before uh, uh, trying to. Uh, uh, you know, understand what's behind Brexit yeah. and what might happen. So Brexit, right? I mean, this is the key thing about Brexit. Brexit changes the rules of the game, yeah. especially for the UK, but also for Ireland and for other members of uh, the European Union. Sure. Right? So it, it introduces a huge uncertainty. It introduces, uh, you know, volatility, right? Yeah. So um, in other people's research, not my own research, what they found, right, and this is really, really important, right, is that monarchies are also much better than republics at... Uh, navigating uh, those periods of uncertainty. Sure. So somehow the institution of the monarchy uh, provides with uh, a measure of stability. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that essentially, uh, you know, in, in, in other people's research, which I cite in my paper, they found that uh, when countries get into crisis, uh, especially of a political kind, and Brexit is is primarily a political issue sure, right? about yeah. immigration, about uh, Britain's role in the world, and Has all that. Has the econ economic components, but the poli but it's politics primarily is huge, is a yeah. political one. Yeah. Uh, so what we see is that in those situations, right, uh, monarchies, especially constitutional democratic monarchies, yeah. somehow they have more stability, and they, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're able to navigate those turbulent waters much better than countries that uh, are, have the form of uh, of republic as a form of government. Which is interesting because when you look at what has been going on, a lot of people would say they're not sure whether or not the UK is navigating it in the best possible manner. But obviously, well, that's uncertainty. That's yeah. called uncertainty. We yeah. don't know. Actually, as, as of today, we don't know what the uh, arrangement will be sure. between the UK and the rest of Europe, yeah. right? Uh, and the European Union after the UK leaves, which is of fundamental importance. Yeah. So this is the uncertainty. This is what's killing, as you know, investment. This is what prompt, what's prompting companies to leave, at yeah. least for now, yeah. or at least not to uh, expand in the UK, right? Yeah. This is the uncertainty, the volatility. Uh, so once again, there's something about uh, different forms of government uh, that helps economies perform better in the long run. Yeah. And once again, I'm not proposing here that monarchies should be adopted everywhere. Right. Uh, but under certain circumstances, uh, if the uh, tradition is there, if the uh, uh, you know foundation is there, uh, they can deliver very good results. Great seeing you. Thank you very much for coming in. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Mara. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.